Welcome back to a new episode of the All Things Croatia podcast. I'm your host, Stan Kozovac. Born and raised in Los Angeles, I'm now living in Zagreb and studying the Croatian language. Before we start, just do me a favor and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening, as well as the Facebook and Instagram page. In this series, I'll be talking with people both in the homeland and around the globe who have connections to Croatia. We'll hear from startups, returning diaspora, musicians and athletes, and the biggest Croatian celebrities that will return my calls. But enough about me. Idem Moldalje, and let's get started. All right, welcome back to the podcast, everybody. Today, our special guest is Cody McLean-Brown. Cody is the author of Chasing a Croatian Girl, a book that tells the true story of how he fell in love and eventually leaves his life in the U.S. behind to move to Croatia. He's now a professor at the University of Zagreb, and we're going to hear about his story and his perspective on life in Croatia as an expat. All right, Cody, thanks for coming on the podcast. Sure, thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. Um, sort of a, let me give a backstory here. Basically, my cousin told me that I have to read your book. I was home. I've been in Zagreb for a little over a year. And I went home in February for a month and it's talking to one of my cousins. I told her I'm going back to Zagreb and she said, okay, you have to read this book and then you have to interview this guy on the podcast, the author, <laughs> Cody. And I said, okay, okay. So I got the book actually the next day, my parents overheard and they bought the book for me <laughs> the next day. I brought it with me on the plane and I read it over here. And I have to say, I really related a lot to it, you know, as a fellow American, you know, especially the little things you're pointing out, the differences that you get from an American's perspective going over to Croatia. And uh, basically, for those unfamiliar with the book, you meet a Croatian girl in the U.S. in Oklahoma, mm -hmm. and you fall in love, and eventually you move to Croatia. Is that sort of the gist that, of it? Yeah, that's, that's and hilarity ensues. Yes, hilarity that's, ensues, that's, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, before we sort of get into that and how, you know, everything happened, can you walk us through just a little bit about yourself? You know, I know you mentioned the book growing up, you knew pretty much nothing about Croatia, right? Yeah, I knew, which is really sad the more I think about it, because I even had a friend in high school who was from Croatia, <laughs> and I didn't even bother, like, <laughs> like, seeing where that was, you know. <laughs> Now, to be fair to myself, this was basically before the internet you know no one used the internet to look up stuff and um i don't know if our maps in the oklahoma public schools would have been updated um so my i might to be fair i might not even be able to find it on a map because we might have not had maps with croatia on it might have just been still <laughs> yugoslavia so but um yeah i knew i i mean I I knew croatia you know just from the background of when the war was going on and i was a young kid but in terms of like any actual knowledge about it no i didn't know anything mm -hmm. i i kind of thought it was funny in the book you related it to you know sort of the what us americans i guess stereotypically think of like the communist countries you know standing in line for bread in the cold you said something like that that i thought it was a <laughs> kind of funny yeah i mean uh, my my image of eastern europe or or communist europe was you know like military parades and then peasants with sticks on their back and kind of like the whimsy of a Chagall painting. Um, <laughs> it was either like, you know, whimsy or miserable. Um, and I definitely didn't expect it to be like beautiful and sunny and, you know, feel like, you know, like parts of it Italy and stuff. So, um, yeah, I was, I was pretty ignorant. <laughs> <laughs> and well, how did you end up meeting Vana, who you eventually married? Uh, we just ended up taking the class together. And, you know, in America, when you are in 
especially in graduate school, you know, the first day of class, everybody goes around and introduce themselves. And, um, you know, I, she was like, I'm Silvana, Vana. Um, and, you know, she said she was from Croatia. And I was like, oh, well, that's interesting. Um, you know, and then, like, as, as in the book, it was a very cold night. And I thought about offering a ride home. And then I thought that would be creepy. And so I drove off and then I thought, well, but it is really cold, you know, and I'd, I'd lived in Montreal. I knew what it was like to be walking around in the cold with no friends. And so (laughs) I circled back to try to find her and she was gone. And then I thought, well, that's okay. Cause she, she, she's from Croatia. She must be used to the cold. And of (laughs) course she's from split and she's, she hates the cold, you know, uh, you know, some 15, 18, however many years later, and, uh, you know, she acts like the winter is a personal insult to her. So, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I was they, very wrong. They don't like the cold over there. It splits, it splits pretty nice. You got pretty nice weather all year round. Yeah. Uh, what were your first few interactions with her like? Was there a language barrier? I'm sure there was a cultural barrier. Yeah, I mean, she, uh, her English was really good at the time. She was in graduate school in the States. Mm. Um, and we would have like, you know, it was a night class. So it went on for about three hours. And so we'd have like a break in the middle and then she and other people would go smoke outside. And I just, I used to smoke, but I wasn't smoking at the time, but I'd still go hang out with them. And then she and I'd kind of talk a little bit. And then I actually did look up Croatia, uh, where she was from and saw that it had been basically the Florida for Romans. Uh, it's where, you know, Diocletian <laughs> went to retire. And I mentioned that at one time and she was like, yeah. And so, you know, but she, she was just intrigued with me. I think because I was at that time I was reading a lot of Marxist writings and in post-Marxist writings. And so I was really into this to Marxism and stuff. And so I was always talking about it and not that she's a Marxist, but she was just intrigued that an American was talking like that. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that's kind of what made her willing to give me the time of day. (laughs) And then, you know, from there, it sounded like you, you were doing more research on Croatia. You were trying to get things to talk to her about, you know, uh, what kind of happened next? How did that, how did that relationship well, advance? Yeah. Then... So what, what actually happened is at the time I actually had a girlfriend, um, but we uh, broke up in the middle of all this and, um, I was alone in this small town in Oklahoma. That's a, it's, to be honest, it's a pretty miserable place. <laughs> and one night I was like bored and I was like, you know what? I'm just going to go out and to the bars by myself and, you know, just see what happens. And so I walked into this bar and then she was there with this other girl um, who is a now a family friend who's from, uh, well, she's, she's from Vietnam. No, she's from Laos, but she grew up in a Laotian refugee camp. So we, you know, it was very cosmopolitan small town in Oklahoma. Anyways, they were both sitting there and they looked like they had, they didn't know what to say to each other. They didn't know. They looked as equally awkward as I was walking in and they both seemed relieved to see me because they knew that I would just talk and they wouldn't have to worry about it. (laughs) So, so we ended up spending the, the evening together and, uh, you know, got to know each other that way. And it was right at the end of the semester. And I thought, wow, this girl is pretty cool. And so then how did that evolve into, I mean, you go to Croatia with her. Well, yeah, how, how so long then, after was that? Well, that was a while because she actually ended up living in New York for the summer. I went and visited her, tried to take her relationship to the next level. And she was like, uh, no, 
because she, you know, she was, she just didn't think this was really going to happen. Um, and so when she came back, we finally ended up dating. And then we were graduating from school with our master's degrees. And I didn't really know what to do. She didn't know what to do. So she was going to come back to Croatia and I was going to come back with her. I even bought the plane ticket. But then I got a scholarship to study Arabic in Cairo um, at the American Resource Center or American Center in Cairo, whatever. And so I went and spent about two months in Cairo. And in the meantime, I got a job in Istanbul. Uh, And so then I texted her, like, do you want to live in Turkey? And she was like, yeah, that'd be great. So we ended up actually living in Turkey for two years. And then I decided that I really needed to do a PhD. And so we, to sort of like make sure there were no doubts and to settle everything, we decided to get married. So we got married and then I left, came back to America (laughs) to do my PhD. She stayed in Croatia and then we were back and forth until finally, um, when I got my Fulbright to do my dissertation research, I came to Croatia and then we we decided to try to stay here for good. Mm-hmm. Well, that's so, got to be tough, getting married and then immediately living in separate countries. Eh, you know, it was, but it was, it was kind of funny because it's like, you know, if we think back about it, like maybe we weren't really ready to get married. And so it was kind of like we got to get married, but we still got to like live alone and like keep, <laughs> you know, keep all of our, my, you know, like, I still got to, you know, do whatever I wanted and play video games and, you know, all this other stuff and do research and, you know, I don't know. Uh, it worked out, but um, it was it was hard once my daughter was born because then they came to the States for six months and then they left for another four months. And so I didn't see them for those four months. And that was that was when I was like, OK, enough of this. Hmm. And, and then that's what made you decide to actually move to Croatia, you know, full time. No, it was. I mean, I was going to move one way or the other, but I got the this Fulbright Fellowship. And so it, mm-hmm. that just made it easier because it meant I had money for the first year. So it was just, but it was just that after that, we weren't going to do the back and forth. You know, once I came, we were either going to stay in Croatia together or we were going to move back to America together. Mm-hmm. You know, because yeah. once a kid's involved, like then, you know, I mean, if you, if you, when you're gone for a few months, I mean, that's, that's huge in a kid's life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a few months is a long time, definitely. Yeah. Um, well, going back to your first sort of vacation to Croatia, your first visit, what were you expecting and what was different for you? Um, hmm. I, what, I wasn't, what I wasn't aware of was just how much coming to Split and being in Split with my wife would change my impression of her. Not in a sense of like, I was like, oh, now I see you differently. But more, it was like the first time I realized that I really got to see her completely, you know, because she was in her own element. Um, You know, in terms like, I didn't really have any expectations because I had learned by dating her for two years that all of my expectations about Croatia were wrong. (laughs) So I think I just kind of cleared my brain. I just wasn't ready for something like, how slow people drink coffee, how, uh, you know, my mother-in-law would basically make me eat and how we would have to organize every day around her schedule to give us lunch, you know, things like that. I just, you know, the, the inclusiveness of everyone involved in your daily affairs was just, I was not ready for that. Um, you know, because in America, it's, you know, no one really cares too much about like what you're going to eat. Um, 
Yeah. Well, I wanted to ask about your mother-in-law. Um, you know, the first time you met her, were you intimidated? How hard was that to <laughs> to try and get on the um, good side? No, I wasn't intimidated. She, she's great. And, you know, one of the things that I think really impacted me and ultimately made, you know, helped me make the decision to ask my wife to marry me and stuff was how the first time I was at my mother-in-law's house, it just felt like home. I mean, it felt very natural. Um, even with all the awkwardness, even with the weird small slippers she wanted me to wear, um, you know, it just felt very inviting and comfortable and, you know, and so that was, that was thing what surprised me the most. And part of it might've been because, you know, we were living in Istanbul and it was, that was completely different and very strange. So Croatia seemed relatively normal compared to, you know, a city of 20 million people. Um, but it was just, you know, and, and she and I didn't start having, let's say a conflict until, uh, until we had a kid because, you know, the mother-in-law wants to make sure you're warm and wants to make sure you're fed. And if you're, if you're not eating, then you must be starving. So you better be eating. And I could kind of deal with all that. Okay. But it's when, you know, she wanted me to do those same things for my kid. And I'm like, no, (laughs) like she's not going to starve, you know? And so then it was like an evaluation of my own parenting was like, you know, from her, it's like, oh, you're not doing this right. Um, Oh yeah, that's tough. Yeah. And so that was a little bit, that was a little bit tricky. It's one thing to deal with those yourself, but to then have to, you know, adopt those and pass those on those traditions. (laughs) Well, especially too, because there was so much that I would do that she didn't like because of the cultural differences. Like she was against cold milk. You know, so like if I gave my daughter cold milk with cereal when she was two, um, she, yeah, you know, and as you know, like in the States, cold milk and cereal, that's like a normal breakfast. Yeah, that's a great breakfast. Yeah, and she would get mad at me. Um, And so it was really, you know, all these, that's where the cultural differences really came into focus because, you know, there's really nothing, you know, culture is, is, comes through parenting in a lot of ways. And so, you know, we, it, us both trying to parent, you know, cause she was pointing son, she is going to try to parent my kid. Um, well, you know, that really exposed the, the, the gaps <laughs> in, in our, our positions. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned the cold milk. That's honestly one of my biggest pet peeves, I think so far about Croatia is the milk. Like I really not a big fan of the milk and it's like not even refrigerated. It's just in boxes. Like to me, it's really strange, and I, I'm not a big fan of the taste. Yeah, I um, I don't drink much milk, but it is funny. I've I've done some things with like groups of Americans, and you know, it's at at breakfast in the hotel. They have cereal and they have milk, and then they pour the milk on the cereal, and they're like, "Oh my god, this is warm!" <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, why would you put warm milk on cereal? And then I laugh and say. <laughs> yeah, you, you've dealt with all the, those things before. Uh, I want to talk a little more about some of the, the cultural shock that you experienced that you mentioned in the book. Um, one of them, tropu. If you can tell a little bit about your first experiences with that and uh, some of the things you mentioned in the book about that. I thought those were Well, funny. it was just sheer confusion because, you know, where I'm from, if you're hot, you open a window and try to make a breeze. <laughs> so, you know, it's summertime and split and I'm hot. And I'm like, well, let's get a breeze going. And then uh, this this woman kept 
saying something that I didn't understand and shutting the window. And I was like, what is going on here? And then, and then I finally, you know, slowly realized, oh, it's this purple thing. And then I, you know, people explained to me or my mother-in-law would explain to me that, you know, if I, if I have the window open, I will, um, you know, infect my kidneys somehow. <laughs> so, but I, I will say this though now, like, it's very strange because I was so against this idea, you know, I was like, this is absolute nonsense. There's no way that the draft brings illness or makes you sick or wet hair can make you ill. But now I'm not so sure. And wow, so, really? yeah, like, it's very weird. It's like this Jungian, you know, uh, you know, zeitgeist sort of like when you're immersed in the cultural enough, a culture enough, you will uh, adopt its beliefs even if it's unwillingly. And so now I'm like, I close the windows and I put on jackets and, you know, I, I dress my kid a little bit more than probably I should or would in America. Um, wow, so you've been and when converted. I went back to, yeah. When I went back to the States, everybody was like, what the heck has happened to you? You <laughs> are Croatian now. And I was like, yeah. I mean, my, my niece was, was combing her wet hair in the winter. And I told her, I said, you should dry that. And she said, why? I said, because it's cold outside. And she's like, right, it's cold outside. And I was like, oh, my God, I did it. I, I took the <laughs> external temperature and applied it to whatever we do inside. <laughs> you, you became one of them. <laughs> yeah. And then my sister was like, you can't get sick from wet hair. I was like, I know you're right, but I also think you're wrong. So, yeah. Are you a big fan then of Rakia too as a, um, as a medicine? Well, sometimes, you know, yeah, if I'm feeling down, you know, if I'm, if I feel like some, if I feel like something might be coming on, mm -hmm. you know, then I'm like, Ooh, maybe I'll drink a little Rocky and that will, <laughs> that will cure it. So you know, actually yeah. I just did a presentation yesterday. I'm, I'm in a like Croatian language class here and I did a presentation yesterday on the Rakia and how uh, I went and interviewed a couple people on the streets asking if, you know, is it an important part of Croatian culture and do you think it can heal? It has healing properties. A lot of them, a lot of them were saying yes. Uh, <laughs> they're saying, yeah, you know, if your if your throat hurts a little, if you got a stomach ache, you know, drink a little rakia. <laughs> I mean, it's a it's a real thing over here, and I don't know. Even I've tried it a little medica, you know, if if my throat is is hurting, something easy. I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't know about the science, but I'm trusting the culture. I guess. Yeah, there you go. There you go. I mean, I you know, I'm I'm you know, I. I go both ways like so i'll get vaccinated and i'll also have a bottle of rakia so you know <laughs> double protected then <laughs> yeah double protected so yeah me too i mean if my stomach's a little upset i'm like no nah, you know i'll take a little bit of rakia but we have a problem now because like we have tons and tons of bottles of rakia of course they're all in like bottles of other things and I keep kind of putting them places. And then when Punica comes, she's like, these shouldn't be here. They need to be here. So then she'll move them into like a cabinet or something. And we've had these bottles. I mean, it's like we have a Rakia collection. Like some of these bottles we've had for, you know, 10 years. And I know we're not going to drink it. And I'd like to free up the space for something else. But no one will let me uh, get rid of the, the Rakia in the, you know, donut or Coca-Cola bottle. Yeah, classic. <laughs> you know, and I'm like, why not? Like, we're not, you know, it's we're not going to drink it. So uh, you never know. My family so, always keeps them in the uh, Yana bottles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's, yeah, it's like the shock that anytime, anytime you find a bottle in a cabinet, it's 90, 99% it, chance it's not what you think it is it's yeah. not the label you know so 
That's classic. I wanted to ask about, you know, coffee. You mentioned that earlier. Were you a big coffee fan? Were you before, you know, you came to Croatia? Uh, yeah, but not in the Croatian way. I mean, I like I like drinking coffee because it makes me awake and I'm more alert and work harder. And, uh, you know, it's, it's nice that way, um, you uh-huh. know. Uh, but I do like having coffee in Croatia. Uh, but, uh, you know, yeah, I was shocked. Like the first time I was here, you know, my wife and I went to the Grad and, and had coffee and we met some of her friends. You know, and I drank my very, very small cup of coffee in about two minutes. And then I realized like, oh, crap, we're going to be here a while because they hadn't even touched theirs. And I still don't understand how how she can make it last two hours i just don't get it i'm i'm, I'm max 45 minutes um, <laughs> i mean it's such a small cup how many i don't even know how many ounces is it do you know no i mean it's you know <laughs> it's like less than eight i mean it's insane it's insane about how how small it is and how long they can make it last <laughs> yeah and so it, you know it used to be you know difficult to do the things that you know i enjoyed like go get coffee because i would have to sit there forever uh, but now, you know, now I, I have my own friends, I have my own circle and, you know, it's, yeah, like I said, hour, 45 minutes, I can do that now. <laughs> do you ever miss the giant Starbucks coffee or no? Uh, yeah, I do. You know, I would, I, I, I would like it to, uh, to be able to get one every now and then, you know, but I don't want Starbucks to come to Croatia. You know, so. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, don't care actually. They, they can do what they <laughs> want, but, uh, you know, sometimes I'll go to McDonald's and get like a big McDonald's coffee. Mm. Um, it is kind of weird because it's changed because there are coffees to go now um, everywhere, but they're still small and, you know, but at least you can do that. You, when I first got here, if you asked somebody for a coffee to go, they'd just look at you like you were insane. Or if you asked for an Americano, like the waiter would be like, I'm not going to ruin this uh-huh. perfectly good cup of coffee by pouring very hot water into it. <laughs> and, you know, Please. You're like, no. Now they now it's. People do it more often. Yeah, I think now I see those all over the place. That kind of leads me into um, something I wanted to ask if you've noticed any shift since you've been here in, um, I guess, sort of less Croatian culture or more, you know, Americanized sort of trends going on. Yeah, definitely. I mean, unfortunately, um, you know, I think uh, first off, like, you know, just the, the and I don't know if it's America. I think I think it's capitalism uh in some ways because like the 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 work day has gotten more uh sort of hectic so people you know even us like we we cook less than we used to and we do more frozen stuff or we do delivery um or we go to a restaurant more often i mean that's also happened as our income has gone up um but like coffee to go you know i remember you know in split there used to be like one mcdonald's and now like there's more malls so there's more mcdonald's there's more fast food um there's more of the like chain bakeries you know mlinar is taking over everything Hmm. um so it just kind of seems like it's it's more commercial than it was when i first came in say 2007 was my first time here um and part of that's because it's joined the eu Hmm. you know i mean it's just it's kind of inevitable what happens but um I smell lunch less often when I enter a building, you know, it used to be when I first got here, when you entered a building at lunchtime, you could smell it on all the different floors, but you know, now people are working the older generation, maybe they don't live together. So they're not there to cook or whatever. And so I think that that, that older way of life, maybe that was around during socialism and even before, I think that's starting to change and, 
you know, slip away. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's. I guess it's got good parts and and bad parts about that. But I mean, is I guess it's sort of a natural progression with, you know, the economy and and everything that things become more capitalized. But it is sad to see, you know, some of the culture. I mean, I guess not the culture is leaving, but you know, you see some more influences from other cultures. I guess. Well, yeah. Which yeah. I guess that's not a so bad either. I'm not really sure how to say it, but you, you know. I mean, I mean. On, on you know, on the other hand, you know, like you know we're just you know i'm getting older my wife's generation you know our generation is getting older and, and i don't see my wife becoming uh a punitza hmm. right you know or a spekarva or a grandma like the same way that my punitza is you know so it's also just you know it's generational as well like you know i mean she you know she's still concerned about how much we eat but um it's just not, not quite the same, you know? So I think even, even in that sense, like, you know, as older as, you know, generation X gets older and replaces the boomers, that'll, that alone is going to make it different because we didn't grow up in, you know, the, the same way that they did and have the same priorities and things like that. Hmm. Yeah, definitely generation. I mean, across all cultures, it's, there's a generational uh, difference like that. Well, Cody, since since you wrote that first book, you've written a sequel, and you started a podcast. You have a blog. Um, let's get let's get into a little bit about these. You know, first the sequel. When did you write that? How long after you released the first book? Uh, the first book came out in 2014, and I wrote the sequel. It was ready to be published in 2017, but then my publisher went out of business. And so then I had to wait until there was a new publisher. And then it came out at the end of 2017. So, um, and it's called Croatia Strikes Back. And it was sort of like, you know, my publisher wanted me to do the sequel because I guess, because the first book was quite successful. So they said like, do another one. I said, okay. Um, And, you know, but it was like, you know, the first book I was really optimistic. And then the second book is a little bit more real you know which is which is like the most croatian thing you can do is be less <laughs> optimistic um you know the only time i experience optimism with among my croatian friends is when they are looking for a parking space it's the only time <laughs> they're optimistic um and so i wrote that book and then i wrote a third book that's a novel that is about a fictitious city where all the characters from holidays live. So like Santa Claus is a real person and the Easter Bunny's real mm-hmm. and they uh, act like the mafia. And um, it's like a noir sort of detective story that um, I think has ultimately disappointed everybody because they wanted another book about Croatia. <laughs> um, and then uh, I haven't really blogged much because, you know, I think if I was trying to do the blog now, I don't think it would work as much because, you know, m- the internet and social media has just become so visual that mm. if I wanted to do that now, I'd have to do TikToks or, you know, a vlog <laughs> or, or something. Um, and when you're a 43 year old guy, you just don't really want to do TikToks. <laughs> yeah. TikTok sort of loses its appeal <laughs> the older you get, I think. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm like, I don't want people to see me looking like that. Um, so, you know, so, I haven't really done that. Now I'm working on other projects, other books, trying to do stand-up comedy. Oh, um, really? Yeah. So I How's was that going? Because it... actually I've been looking for, there's not a lot of um, English opportunities in English, like open mics and stuff that yeah. I've seen. 
I mean, you can, you know, I just crashed the Croatian open mic and do it in English and, you know, everybody understands. Really? <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, I started that in 2019 and it did, it did pretty well. And then I even got some paying gigs and wow. I opened for uh, a guy named Peja Bajovic, who's like one of Croatia's first stand-up comics. And then uh, COVID happened. And so then I hadn't done mm-hmm. it until last week I opened for him again. Um, and so now I'm going to try to get back into it. So, oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, where are it's you, fun. whereabouts are you? Um, are you going around Zagreb or all of Croatia? Yeah, or? just no. I mean, you know, my plan would be to. I'd like to get like an hour long material uh, of solid stuff, and then and then be able to like travel around and, and do my set. But now I just do open mics and stuff in Zagreb. You know, mm-hmm. and um, it's funny though when I do it for an English crowd because most of my jokes are about Croatia and Croatian. Mm-hmm. And uh, if I have like too many, you know, Dutch people or Norwegians in the audience, they don't get any of my jokes. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, the Croatians, like, they're like laughing a lot. <laughs> yeah, you need that balance of demographics to to be able to re- relate to not understanding Croatia, but also enough to know about Croatia yeah. and why you don't understand it. I guess. I mean, I was doing a I was doing a set uh, right before COVID, and I was talking telling the story about when uh, we tried to take some coolen to america and also trying to get gifts for everybody and so we just got everybody by adara and then my mom wanted us to bring cool into the states and then at the customs they were like you know interrogating us and so i gave up the cool in and everybody's like boo cody you're an idiot but uh to the audience and then i i asked them like you know do they know what cool in is and they were like no and i was like how long have you been in croatia they're like nine months i was like what nine wow. months and you don't know what cool in is get out of get out of your expat bubbles people yeah Um, come on even getting pizza at the uh the pecoras you get it with cool in sometimes yeah you know so go to slavonia live yeah Uh, they also didn't know what bayadera was which was even more shocking i mean actually i was gonna ask i'm not sure (laughs) you don't know what bayadera is bayadera is the is this chocolate by crash that's like the universal gift in croatia like, if you don't know what to get someone, you get them Bayadera. And then they take the Bayadera and they put it in their secret cupboard and then they re-gift it later. So, <laughs> Wait, what is it though? Like a gift just, basket or? It's just like, you know, it's like a, it's like a, it's a chocolate. It's like a type oh, of chocolate. chocolates. Yeah. But uh. it's in like a really nice golden package, you know, and it, it looks neat and shiny. And so it looks, it looks better than it actually is but it's a pretty solid gift like no one's going to be upset that you gave them bayadera mm. uh there's just different levels like you know bayadera is maybe what you give somebody for helping you get an appointment at the doctor right or like every time i come to a talk people give me bayadera um <laughs> and so it's really it's just the gift you give when you don't know what else to get that's that's bayadera Without mm. saying it, but Bayadera doesn't say, here's the gift I'm giving you because I didn't know what to get. So it's not, it, you know, it, it, it's just, it's a very neutral, solid gift. Because, yeah, it's just yeah, a box of chocolates. It's not that blatant, but it's always a, every, always a classic. So does everyone, yeah. everyone just re-gifts those? Or do you actually? Uh, yeah, pretty much. I mean, you know, like, uh, I, yeah, I don't even know what it tastes like. No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> never tried yeah. it. <laughs> I mean, whenever we get some Bayadera, we put it in the ca- cupboard because you never know when you're going to need to give someone some Bayadera. Yeah, I felt bad. I was reading your book and you were talking about 
you know, the culture of gift giving and everyone giving gifts. And I sort of had like a movie flashback moment thinking of all these people like giving gifts and like everything that I've witnessed and I never <laughs> gave anyone anything. And I had like this movie flashback scene. I was like, oh my God, like probably everyone thinks I'm a, <laughs> you know, I'm a jerk. I haven't given anything to anyone. And I'm picturing all these times where people around me are, you know, giving gifts when I go to, yeah. you know, someone's house or family's house. And, <laughs> you know, and it's, but it's just funny because like, like even I, you know, I've lived here, you know, 12, 10 or 11 years, I guess. And I still, I still don't, do it the way I should because it's just not in our nature. Mm. You know, I'm, I just don't think that like when I go to someone's house, I need to take them a random gift. <laughs> and, um, you know, but then they come to our house or they send their kid to our house. And yeah, every time they have a random gift, it's, like, yeah, it's still, still I'm like, oh. So I hope everybody forgives me and Stanko because it's just not in our nature. We're not trying to be jerks. We just don't understand. Yeah. And, you know, like it, it, with, with Croatians, it is in second nature. You know, like my wife will not. It's like I don't leave the house without checking to make sure I have my phone, my wallet and my keys. And I swear she's like, I'm not going to leave the house. She doesn't leave the house without checking to see if she has the right gifts for people. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah, that's we're just not used to it. You know, we can we deserve a break. That's right. So, <laughs> But yeah, definitely a lot of things to get used to uh, culturally. I mean, for me, at least in the. A little over a year that I've been here. Um, so, Cody, what are you up to now? I saw that you're teaching at the political science faculty mm -hmm, in Zagreb. Mm -hmm. How's that going? Yep. Well, it's going well. I wish my students were a little bit more motivated. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's just different because here they have, like, school for free. <laughs> and, <you know. laughs> That's a crazy concept to us. <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, come on, like, take advantage of it. But at the same time, they're like, well, it's free. Who cares? Right. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, ah, you know, um, I wish they would, you know, care more about learning. And, uh, you know, so what if it's an 830 class? You should still come. Uh, but other than that, you know, other than their motivation, it's great. I mean, I love my job. I love it when I do get through to them, when I can see that they actually learn something, um, you know, and every year I have a few students that are that are great. Um, you know, and I can't say that they're any like worse than american students it's just a little bit different mm -hmm. um you know and, and and i can't compare them to me because i was a big nerd who went on to get a phd like you know, so. <laughs> um but no it's great it's it's a good job um i'm lucky to have it you know it's the croatian dream is to have stani derjami posa which is a steady mm -hmm. state job um you know and it's through that job that we're able to stay in croatia uh -huh. so yeah what? so i'm teaching Hmm? Oh, sorry, okay. I was just going to ask, what exactly, you know, what classes exactly are you teaching? Uh, it's English. So I teach second year English to journalism and political science students. But, you know, the big thing there is that their understanding of English when it comes to like reading and listening is very, very high. So most students need to work on producing English. And so I try to have them write and do little presentations and just kind of relax and let us use the language to communicate, not to like be strict on the rules, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and I do that through teaching uh, with the journalism students. Basically, it's a bunch of vocabulary and then teaching them how to write what is called narrative nonfiction. And then uh, with the political science students, it's basically English with American politics uh, for the first semester and then English about EU politics the second semester. Oh, and economy cool. and stuff. So 
Well, so you're teaching English. Have you learned any Croatian? I mean, I'm, of course, you've learned some, but how good, I yeah. guess, is your Croatian? Oh, you know, I mean, I it, it, it's hard to know. Um, I mean, I studied it for three years when I was doing my PhD. But then when I got here, I was speaking, you know, with this horrible accent, like, and nobody would talk to me. And then at some point, the accent just clicked. And, um, you know, when I'm out and about, you know, if I'm in my daily life, I don't speak English um, to anybody outside of my house, uh, unless I'm teaching, you know. Um, so in the classroom, I speak English. But, you know, if I'm talking to my colleagues at work or something, I try to keep speak as much as I can in Croatian. Um, but, you know, it's still so I, my Croatian's pretty good. But, you know, at the same time, you'll still get a word or a phrase that you're like, what? I don't know that. And uh, this happened to me. It was funny. This, I was at MOOP applying at the you know Ministry of the Interior at the police, applying for my permanent residence. And to get permanent residence, you have to have a certificate about the level of Croatian you know. And so I had that certificate. And the lady used this word for, uh, for my visa or something. She said, dozvola. And I didn't know what that was. And so I asked her to like repeat herself or to explain it to me. And then she just said it again, which is what a lot of people do here, uh, <laughs> including my mother-in-law. Um, and then I was like, what? And then she was like, you don't know Croatian. And I was like, I do know Croatian. Here's the certificate saying I know Croatian. I just didn't know that word. Meanwhile, all of this is in Croatian. Um, <laughs> so, you know. At, at the desk for foreigners, right? So at the at the place where you're supposed to apply if you're a foreigner to a woman who doesn't know English but only knows Croatian, telling me I don't know Croatian in Croatian and I'm arguing with her in Croatian that I do know Croatian because I have a certificate saying I know Croatian. Um, <laughs> but, you know, so every now and then there'll be like a word that hooks me up or some phrase that usually, I mean, I can figure it out from context if someone would explain it to me, but you know so yeah well i mean the croatian is such a tough language for for an english speaker for a non-slavic oh, yeah. language speaker to get a grasp of you know all those padeji all the grammar and such weird constructions coming from an english background you know well yeah i mean the problem is just you know depending on the verb um everything changes you know so so the subject changes the how the verb is conjugated but then based on what the case it is, then that change, you know, that changes the, the adjectives, the changes, the nouns, you know, it's all shifts. Um, and, you know, whereas in English, green is always green. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't ever change. Um, so, you know, yeah, it's very, it's very complicated. But one thing I found is people here are so forgiving, except for the lady at the police. Um, <laughs> you know, I mean, a little bit of Croatian goes a long way. Mm -hmm. And, you know, uh, people have been very 99% of the people I encounter are very encouraging about how I speak and they want me to speak and they're very forgiving. And, you know, they don't really care if you mess up cases, you know, as long as they can understand you. So. Yeah, like I'll go and I'll speak to someone with the worst Croatian ever and, you know, they say, oh, dobro prijaš. Well, <laughs> like I know it's not. I know I'm speaking terribly because like I know I'm learning these grammatical structures in school and sometimes I'll like say a sentence and then a half second later in my head, realize I said it completely wrong. And like still yeah. people will try and compliment your Croatian. And as long as you try, you know, they, they see that. And I, th I think they, I think they get pretty happy when they see someone speaking Croatian that obviously, you know, is not from Croatia. 
Yeah, that's right. And I, you know, and I mean, if you, you know, to me, if you live in the country, you should try to make the effort, you know, and that's sort of what I do, you know, and I've also, you know, I can like, you know, I read the news in Croatian, I follow the news in Croatian. So, you know, I feel pretty integrated into the, into the country through the language. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I can't write in Croatian because whenever I try to do that, it's just writing it's writing English with Croatian words. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, so now you're living in Zagreb. You were living in Split uh, for a little while before, or at least spent a lot of time in Split. Well, what are some of those differences for you? Is is it better living in Zagreb, or do you like? Oh Split my God, better? you're gonna you're gonna get me in trouble. Uh-uh. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I prefer Zagreb just because. Well, for two reasons. One that's quite silly, actually, is Zagreb is flat, which means. I can walk pretty much wherever easily mm. where split is a lot of hills. And so I'm going to have a hard time walking one way or the other and start, you know, I just hate hills. Um, I'm from Oklahoma. Yeah. I was, I was <laughs> right? just going to say, <laughs> you know, that makes a lot um, of sense. You know, the mentality of Zagreb is different because it's, it's more diverse in sense of like, it's lots of different Croatians where split Chani and people from split are so proud of split but yet in my opinion they just don't take care of it and that hypocrisy or contradiction just really bothers me um you know uh and it's also zagreb's a bit quieter you know split has i think there's a law in split that every third person has to have a scooter that (laughs) goes really loudly and has to drive it around at two in the eight two a.m and one thing you know one thing that i've learned is uh having loud noise bother you at night is an American thing. Like it, it's only me that's bothered by the scooters and stuff. Um, everybody else just sleeps fine through it. Uh-huh. So, um, you know, I mean, I, I like split when I'm there, there is a special type of energy to it, but I'm really happy to live in Zagreb. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, to me, Zagreb is Zagreb is the perfect city. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a great mix of, you know, having that Croatian culture and being there, but while also you're in a big enough city to, you know, have some other influences and you can go to, I don't know, for example, what a, a Mexican restaurant over here. And I mean, I don't think it's very good. I've actually, I've never been, I think there's only one, but yeah, there's apparently, <laughs> there's apparently one that's okay. I, I don't want to go because being from Oklahoma, we have quite good Mexican food Hmm. and so i'm worried it'll be overpriced disappointment but you know just zagreb's just big enough um without being a big pain in the butt Mm -hmm. uh you know and split you know i mean it sounds silly but like split doesn't have the right infrastructure you know like the tram system in zagreb is really nice split i feel like you have to have a car there's still so like it's really pain in the butt to park uh, and being from Oklahoma, like 90% of where I'm from is parking lots. So, you know, it's just very, it's very stressful for silly reasons, but these are the things that bother me. Um, mm-hmm. well, I think it's know. funny that you complimented the tram system because for us foreigners, you know, we think it's great, but here in Zagreb, any local you'll ask, I think is going to tell you how, oh, they don't like the trams. They're slow. They don't come on time. Yeah. I mean, you know, being from the Midwest, I think it's great because, you know, I'm used to buses that come by every hour. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? um, so, you know, yeah, I, I, I like it quite a bit. Um, you know, and I don't know, it's just funny that the, 
you know, the things that stress me out, like people would be like, oh, splits on the sea. How could you not like it? And I'm like, well, because there's nowhere to park. And that just sounds ridiculous. But that's <laughs> that is what it is. You know, yeah, parking is rough for sure. That's not a lot of spaces, especially down yeah. in Makarska is where you know, I've spent most of my time along the coast here in Croatia. And oh, there's nowhere to park over there. Yeah. Oh, absolutely yeah. nowhere. One of my one of my most popular tweets, and it's a joke I use in stand up is how. 400,000 people have left the country in the last 10 years and there's still nowhere to park. (laughs) (laughs) That's pretty funny. Yeah, it's true too. (laughs) Um, Well, Cody, you were sort of running low on time here, but you know, I wanted to thank you, you know, so much for taking the time out of your schedule to come on the podcast and talk a little about, you know, your books and your life and what you're up to now. And I know you thought I was going to get you in trouble with that last question, but I've got one more that's really going to get you in trouble here. Right. I want to ask Dinamo or Hajduk? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I, you know, I just plead uh, I'm neutral because I'm American and I don't care. Uh, you know, I will I will always root and I love to cheer for the national team. Yeah. You know, course, I'm, yeah. I'm disappointed that the that the World Cup is in November this year. Like what? I mean, that's who, uh, the corruption of FIFA and the Qatar Qatar selection is frustrating because I, I when Croatia was doing so well in last year last time's World Cup it was just this you know amazing experience and ever since then I mean I love whether it's in the uh, Euro Championship or the World Cup I love cheering for Croatia you know and I love it when we play uh, in terms of local stuff I, you know I don't really care about Hajduk or Dinamo um, <laughs> you know, I know uh, I don't care about the bad blue boys or Tortzida, you know, um, I feel like it's dumb that when I go to split, I have to like make sure that I have a Hajduk towel in my car because it's from Zagreb plates. <laughs> yeah, you know, geez. Um, yeah, that's, I've heard that too. So, you know, I, I mean, it's just, uh, you know, I, I don't understand the love of hope. But the same thing in America. Like I, I don't understand professional sports period. Like why people are like, you know, such diehard fans of, things that they have nothing to do with <laughs> <laughs> yeah well i mean as far as dinamo Hajduk, for me i just it's safest to whatever city i'm in that's who i root for you know yeah yeah <laughs> but definitely the national team of course yeah i, I love following the national team and... well and you know as an american we don't have a national team you know i mean except in the olympics but no one watches that because nbc has ruined it <laughs> but you know there's no like national team that everybody can get behind uh with our sporting events, you know, you're it's okay. It's either you know, the Yankees or the Mets or you know the the Cowboys or uh, you know um, the the Chiefs or something. You know, mm-hmm. like it's, it's local, very regional. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so I really like it when we play here because it's just everybody's behind the team and it's just it's just great. Yeah, it's a crazy atmosphere. I love it. Yeah. Well, uh, Cody, you know, thank you again. I'm one book in of yours. I'm going to have to read those next two. So, well, thanks for having me. This was fun. And, uh, you know, I'll come on again if you need me. <laughs> That's it for today's episode of the All Things Croatia podcast. Thanks for tuning in, and I hope you all enjoyed it. You can subscribe to the Patreon and check out the All Things Croatia Instagram page to stay updated. Feel free to reach out to me with any questions, tips, or ideas, and make sure to tune back in to the next episode. Thanks again, and vidimo se!